2: TCL is a proud sponsor of the SCORE North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily.
1: They go with the empty backfield on third down. Culpepper pulls it down, scrambles for the first. All the way down to the 16-yard line, the big quarterback rumbles for 17 yards vikings quarterback dante culpepper just now being helped off after that big run in the first quarter thought he might have gotten a little dinged up but it's that right knee it's actually
3: right there chris gamble coming in from the right side low dante culpepper normally when you get hit from the outside like that stretches or tears that medial collateral that's the inside ligament of the knee and that's what they're looking at
4: Kurt Menefee on the call when he was a play-by-play man back in his days on Fox. This is Purple Daily on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and streaming live on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. It's easy to follow us on all those platforms and to watch our beautiful faces as we talk Vikings with you five days a week, all year long. I'm Robbie Makhlouf, along with Judd Zalgad. You can get in on the show by giving us a call at 651-646-8255 or tweet us. At score north, and why did we play that highlight? Because it's what if week on Purple Daily this week, and uh, today we're going to play out the scenario, Judd Manny, of what if Dante Culpepper did not get hurt in that 2005 season, and I'll let you guys. I was what? at that game. You were at that game. I was game. at that game well, in Carolina, yes. Well, was. then who better than Judd and Manny to to set the table of the Dante Culpepper injury? Was that your first year? And in the all the team? ramifications yeah. of it.
3: Yeah, I covered the Packers in... Oh, so it's your fault. Oh, three and oh four. And <laughs> then I covered the Vikings. And, and if I'm not mistaken, that was the same day in which uh, uh, Steve Smith uh, caught a long pass down to about the three-yard yes. line and then proceeded to go into the end zone and sit down and row the boat mm-hmm. because he had beaten Fred Smoot and Fred Smoot spent that entire day shadowing Steve Smith until it got so embarrassing for uh, Captain Fred that Fred pulled himself from the game injured. Uh, that was a that was a trying year for our Vikings. So the question is, what if Culpepper hadn't been hurt? What what if Culpepper continues to start coming off a 2004 that was incredible? Um, Here is the issue. Okay, I'll I'll start you guys with this thought. Okay. What if he hadn't got hurt that day? Which means he's a starting quarterback, and if you recall that year, the Vikings were struggling at that time. Brad Johnson took over for Dante, came in and became the starter, and the team actually went on a nice run with Brad Johnson. One six in a row, I think. But yes, but uh, the answer to the question, or the answer that I see it is, I don't think Dante's future, if he hadn't got hurt, would have been solidified here. Because Childress got the, so Tice, who I believe would, would have been fired after 2005 regardless, uh, is replaced by Childress. And Childress and Dante had a, a very quick falling out over where Dante was was rehabbing his knee. And that was the whole, I'm envisioning a strip mall by a Chinese restaurant where, where basically Childress went on this thing about the guy's not here, he should be. I don't know that Dante and Brad would have gotten along at all. So I think that if if Dante hadn't got hurt, he probably would have been Brad's starting quarterback to begin 2006. But I think the fracture there probably would, would have happened fairly quickly. So I don't know that the assumption that Dante's outstanding a 2004 career would have continued here for sure, because a coaching change still would have been made, why
4: do you say a coaching, a coaching change still would have been made?
3: Uh, because the the Wilfs, the Wilfs uh, bought the team in June of 2005, officially. Mm-hmm. Tice was the coach at that time. Tice was going into the last year of his contract. No attempt was ever made to extend that contract. And my contention from, from covering the team was always that the Wilfs basically were smart enough to, to say, we don't know enough to come in here and make immediate huge changes, so we're going to spend a year observing things. And so I don't think that Mike Tice was ever their choice. And and in fact, I think that that would have played a role because then they hired Childress in January, 2006
1: culture of accountability. Exactly. And
3: I, and I don't believe that Brad and Dante, even if Dante hadn't gotten hurt, would have seen eye to eye. So I actually think that Dante probably in some type of trade or deal would have gotten you more because he wouldn't have been hurt. But I think his time here still would would have come to an end at some point by two thousand seven.
1: And the other thing too was Ticey had just had his Super Bowl ticket scalping thing the previous Super Bowl, right? Because the Super Bowl was in Jacksonville with the Patriots and Eagles. Yep. And Ticey had gotten in trouble for the for the uh, for the scalping thing. Correct. And so that that was sort of hanging over. You know, when the Wils bought the team, that's that sort of thing was. Had happened already, and then you, then we had the love boat thing that happened before before Dante got hurt and everything too. Yeah, Tice was done. Yeah, Tice was done, but I I don't think I
3: I don't believe that that Culpepper not getting hurt would have meant that he had a long time left here. So going down that path because Brad, you know, Brad was very convinced that he was going to come in in here. And at first, at first, I thought he his feeling was that Dante was going to just. Fall in line with things, which Dante wasn't going to do. So the headbutting would have happened.
4: But uh, at that time, I mean, Dante Culpepper looked like the next big thing at the quarterback position in the NFL.
3: Not the start of that year, though. No, but he before he got hurt, he struggled big time. 2004, he was fantastic. But 2005, he struggled. They traded Moss to Oakland. Yes. And I remember Lenahan left too, right? to take the head coaching job
1: with the Rams.
3: And and what I was told in 2005 was that Scott's Scott's presence as um, Culpepper's basically position coach and OC was enormous. Like Mm -hmm. he was a really good, he was really, really
1: effective with Dante. And once he was gone, Dante looked like a different player to me. Poor Steve Loney, man. They gave Steve Loney, who was the offensive line coach, promoted him to offensive coordinator, and it was a disaster. They gave
3: him both jobs. Yeah, they get think about that for a second. In 2005, the Vikings OC was also the O line coach. Like that's the crazy. That's that's strange. I mean, think think about think about the assignment of coaching the line and the importance. Right? Mm -hmm. It's a full time job. They made this poor man, and he was and Steve is the nicest guy on the face of the earth. They made him try and coordinate and coach a position group,
1: which is enormous. You remember the game at Cincinnati? Dante, I think Dante threw five picks. I was there for that one that too. Game. Oh, it was and, terrible. Yep. You know, and that was a good. That was like Marvin Lewis's first, like, really good Bengals team too, with you know Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson and all that stuff. But yeah, they they had went to Cincinnati. I think it was week two, week two or week three. Yep. And Dante was just brutally threw like five picks, and the picks that he threw in that game too were just like inexplicable, like. What are you doing? Yep. What are you looking the at? The offense was completely lost. Yeah, it was a complete disaster. And the year before, and the reason why it was, you know, I mean, th- there was a lot of behind, and Judd, you could speak to this more than I could, but there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff with Moss and why, you know, why he ended up getting traded and everything. But the year before in 2004, when Dante was really good, when he was like an MVP candidate, threw for almost 5,000 yards, almost threw 40 touchdowns, things like that, just had a great year. But Randy had gotten hurt in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I think he pulled his hamstring in, in a, I think it was a Monday night game in New Orleans. Randy pulled his hamstring, and then he was sort of in and out of the lineup all you know all season because that was early in the year. And so there were games where Randy would start to keep the starting streak alive, but he wouldn't play. He wouldn't play throughout the entire game, and Dante was still playing well. And so there was this thought going into 05 like. They traded Moss and it was like, well, Nate Burleson had sort of emerged as a a top target and Jermaine Wiggins had a really nice year. And it was like, well, Dante played really well with Randy Moss being out of the lineup. And so they went into 05 without Moss. They drafted Troy Williamson and they thought they were going to pick up right where they left off the year before. And it was it was a complete disaster in 05. A complete disaster.
4: So what happened from 04 to 05 that Dante Culpepper looked like a completely different guy and not in a good way? Coordinator just the changed. Co- the coordinator?
1: Coordinator That's changed. That's part of it. Moss, Moss was gone. Yeah. Teams weren't game planning for Randy anymore. And, yeah. Yeah, combination
4: of, of things, definitely. But So it uh, doesn't sound like a whole lot would have changed if Dante Culpepper had stayed there. at least in your guys' estimation.
3: I just don't think that Brad and Dante... I, I think the, the immediate... Uh, f- falling out that took place over where Dante elected to uh, uh, try and re- rehabilitate his knee. I think if that hadn't taken place, something else does that causes a problem there. And I don't think that they ever would have seen eye to eye. And and so basically, Dante, Dante went from, or Brad went from saying, I've got this quarterback, he's going to be fantastic, to the guy saying, trade me. And I just, I, there would have been a falling out of some sort between th- those two and Brad Brad's belief that Brad knew quarterback play Rami was extremely high like he thought I've got the answers um uh, um or uh I'm Andy Reed <laughs> uh so so yeah uh now now but this does get us to a very important part of, of this equation then which is if you go back to are you gonna throw another one into be- it? Months before yes. Oh months before <laughs> Culpepper like got hurt in April of uh, of two thousand five, mm-hmm. when if I'm not mistaken, the Vikings had picks seven and nineteen in the first round. Yep. And uh they took uh they took Troy to replace Moss because Williamson could run fast, and my gosh, if you can run fast, you must be fantastic. Troy w- Williamson from South Carolina goes with the seventh pick in that draft, and Erasmus James, defensive end at Wisconsin, who was a great college player. Mm-hmm goes with a 19th pick, and and of course, as the the Vikings make those two picks, who is free-falling through the draft, none other than Aaron Rodgers. And I've told Phil this, and we've gotten huge fights about this, (laughs) but my God, you had two first-round picks, and you had a quarterback, who. uh, and the consensus going into that draft, I remember this vividly, was San Francisco's either going to take Rodgers or Alex Smith with the number one overall pick, okay? So this is an era where both of those guys were considered... Being worth that high a pick, and yet nobody, when when Smith went, nobody said, "Okay, we gotta get up to three to take Rodgers." Right? I've always said this. In retrospect, now, and or if you if you redid that draft today, and he and Rodgers was free falling through that draft, somebody takes him, and you had two picks at 19. So let's let's eliminate seven. You thought we're going to fill a need and Troy Williamson is the great—he's going to be our Moss. You're totally wrong. You're goofed up. But let's just say it's that they—
1: from Lou Holtz's offense in yeah, Carolina. Yeah, but let's just say <laughs> they make that pick, okay? <laughs> just like, let's say on.
3: they make that pick. At 19, at 19, Aaron Rodgers, who some people thought was worth the first overall pick, is still there. Wouldn't you have been tempted to take him there if you were the Vikings? Wouldn't you have been at least tempted—
4: See, I gotta believe and actually I I Maybe know they were, I, I know. know this for a fact. It's not even a belief that there were legitimate red flags with Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback that caused him to slip all the way to the point there were. that he slipped to in that draft. There were. But but that but it solidifies my point even more. NFL teams aren't that's like people look at Aaron Rodgers now and they look at him going with the 23rd pick in the draft and they go there must have been 22 teams that were complete morons and that's simply not the case like these are really smart football people in the front offices of most NFL franchises and for 22 of them to agree that this guy wasn't worth that pick there had to be something there and i can tell you there was there were not just something there were things there, there were problems, with yes. Aaron Rodgers that legitimately and rightfully caused him to slip to the point in the draft that he slipped to. But I believe
3: that what you just said backs up my point even more because the Packers were brilliant in the fact that they that while having Brett Favre, who was aging at the time, the Packers took Rodgers based on the fact that they had the luxury, which the Vikings would have felt too at the time, mm-hmm. of time. Because if you recall, if you guys recall, the main football knock on Aaron, and it was probably 100% accurate, was he's coming from Cal. And he's coming from a Jeff Tedford system. Mm -hmm. And his mechanics are awful. He has bad mechanics. He has mechanics that he needs to be taken to a side field as much as possible, right, for that first year. So we're not talking about a guy stepping in and playing. We're talking about a guy who needs to be taken to a side practice field for the majority probably of his first year, if not the entire thing, and have those mechanics that Tedford had employed with Aaron coached out of Aaron. So the Vikings could have said exactly what Green Bay said, which is, okay, we've got a good quarterback who who we, we like, but this guy who was a potential top pick, who's got some problems, needs more time. At 19, we can take him. So I actually think the argument for the, the what-if on the Vikings
4: taking Aaron wouldn't have been at 7, it would have been at 19. But you still had what you thought was a good quarterback at that point in Dante Culpepper, before the change in coordinator, before Randy Moss leaves free aid, and free agent, before any of this stuff... You had no, no, Moss is gone or Moss
3: is gone. Okay, this is with Moss gone. So that so nineteen was actually the Vikings' pick.
1: Seven was Oakland's pick that you Moss, got in that trade. Randy got traded in what February? Like mm-hmm. it was like right after the season. Yeah, it was like Randy. March. Yeah, yeah. Yep. February
4: or March. Yep. But you hadn't seen Dante Culpepper minus Randy Moss yet, is what I'm saying. You just thought you had this stud of a quarterback, and yeah, Correct. you probably thought, well, yeah, he's throwing to Randy Moss. That makes things a little bit easier, but. I remember watching, actually, I had Dante Culpepper on my fantasy football team at the time (laughs) and was loving it because he was a giant. He could run. He had an arm where he could throw the football to any place on the field, from any place on the field with the flick of a wrist. Like, he looked like the next big thing as far as quarterbacks go. And I don't know that, like with Brett Favre and the Packers situation, you had a guy who for... Two years at that point, if not more, had been talking about retirement mm-hmm. at the end of every season that he played. So they were like, all right, we got a plan for the future. With Dante Culpepper, you had a young, what looked like, can't-miss franchise quarterback. And to use a first-round pick on a quarterback when you already have that, and he's still young, just seems kind of wasteful, doesn't it? I'm just saying you have to I mean, it's easy in hindsight just, now. Yeah, yeah,
3: so of course. I just think it, it's a fun discussion which I don't dismiss because of the fact that that at least some teams and scouts perceived Rodgers as a potential first overall pick. So we're not talking about a third round QB. I just think it's an interesting it's an interesting scenario to play out and privately too the Vikings had to know okay Dante had a great 2004 but the coaching was fantastic as well. And now now your coordinator's gone. There were just a lot of interesting things, I think, that would have given me with that 19th pick at least cause to pause there and say, this guy's a really good quarterback. He's got some mechanical problems that we can clean up, but he's still there at 19. Phil freaked out. Like, Ma- <laughs> Mackie and I got in a huge fight. So I just don't think that you so can dismiss the then. idea. You were saying No, that- no, no, no. Oh, okay. I said this
1: a couple of years back
3: because of the two picks.
1: And that was a that was a draft that did not go well for the Minnesota Vikings oh, in 2005. Terrible. I
3: think everyone was gone by when, 2008?
1: Yeah. That entire draft class was gone. I can go back through.
3: I that think there. that entire draft class was gone. Williamson's last game would have been the last game of, I believe, 2007 in Denver when, when a ball, well, he dropped a pass over the middle, but there was also probably the nicest deep ball that Tavares Jackson threw in his entire mm-hmm. career. Yep. That didn't, Troy didn't just drop it. It went off his face mask. I remember that. And I think the entire draft class was gone by about
1: 2008. The entire thing. No one left. It was a disaster. They, uh, okay, I have all of their picks here in front of me from 2005. All right, so number seven, they went Troy Williamson. 18, they went Erasmus James. 18, not 19, excuse me. Uh, Second round pick 49 was Marcus Johnson, the offensive tackle from Ole Miss. I remember him. I think he was the last member of the draft class. That was on, survive, yeah. that, that was on the team. Yeah, uh, the third round pick was Dustin Fox, the corner from Ohio State. And I don't think he ever. I don't I, think he ever played a game for the Vikings. Did he, Judd? Like, I don't so think he had gotten injured in, in preseason. Maybe in I think like, he's a broadcaster now. By the yeah, way, yeah, in, in uh, talk in, show host in Cleveland or something. In Cleveland, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think he ever played a game for the Vikings. I think he got hurt in like, that's very like, possible. Maybe a training camp or something, and just never yep. never end up playing. Uh, Fourth round pick was running back Seatrick Faison from Florida. I remember him. Underwhelming, yes. I forget. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, This guy, sixth round pick, defensive tackle. I think he was with the Vikings and then I think he came back. CJ Mosley? Oh, they traded. He was actually a pretty good player. No, they traded him. uh, I don't think he
3: came back. They traded him to the Jets for Bollinger. Okay, and then he went on to, and then he went I on to the he Jets. Might have and came back though for like
1: a, I, oh, I don't recall that, like but he played. He played for the Jets and, and was actually pretty good for mm-hmm. a few years. And then uh, the seventh round pick and final pick of that draft for the Vikings was uh, Adrian Ward, cornerback from UTEP. That was the draft class.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that was not good. No, that is not a good draft class. <laughs> so At what all. what do you think would have happened, Rami? Well. Let's take a break. Okay. And then I want to go down this Aaron Rodgers road. that you just went down. It's What If Week on Purple Daily here on Score North on 1500 and Score north.com. And it started off with what if Dante Culpepper never got hit, never got hurt in 2005. Because didn't get hit, you're right. Judd brought in the added fold of what if they had taken Aaron Rodgers the previous year in the 2004 draft. I know folks have thoughts on this. 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North if you want to get in on Purple Daily on, on 1500. On Score North and on Scorenorth.com. We're back right after this. Drink the purple punch.
2: It thin-sides and it makes your
4: eyes water. Purple daily on Score North.
2: ScoreNorth.com.
1: Hey guys, join us at Score North this Friday from noon until 6 p.m. as we'll be broadcasting live from Day Brewing Company on the corner of Washington and 11th Avenue South. Stop by uh, for great craft beer and delicious pizza as you head to any of the final four festivities, gentlemen.
4: Thank you, Manny. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Find all our Vikings programming simply by searching Score North Vikings wherever you download podcasts. We're also available on Apple and Spotify. Or Score North Vikings shows include this very one you're listening to, Purple Daily, Purple Podcast, Vikings Fentline, Purple FTW, and much, much more. Again, just search Score North Vikings, wherever you download podcast. If you want to get in on the show as it's what if week here on Purple Daily this week. And we started off the show asking what if Dante Culpepper never got hurt and Judd threw another fold into it and said, what if they had drafted Aaron Rodgers, 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North if you'd like to get in on that discussion. So you brought up the Aaron Rodgers thing before we went to the break, Mm Judd, and it's real easy to look back now and, and think, well, if they had drafted Aaron Rodgers, they would get this Aaron Rodgers, who we've watched largely until the last two years when drama in the Packers organization and injuries sort of threw him off track. But for the large part, he was dominating the NFC North and the NFL as a whole with maybe the finest quarterback play we have ever seen until the last couple of years. So you look back on it and you go, yeah, they drafted Aaron Rodgers. They get that Aaron Rodgers, and the Vikings probably win at least one Super Bowl, right? right. That, that's how you look at it in hindsight. But I'm here to tell you right now, unless you got the right coach to go along with Aaron Rodgers, you likely don't get this version of Aaron Rodgers, who we watch do those things for so many years, because for as hard as people have come down on Mike McCarthy in the last few years of his tenure in Green Bay— Mike McCarthy is a very good football coach, especially at offense and even more so when it comes to developing quarterbacks. He had a quarterback school down there in Green Bay, and you're going to say, well, who do he develop other than Aaron Rodgers? And the answer is really nobody, except he did get more out of Brett Favre in the couple of years that he had with him than, than the previous coach Mike Sherman did. And then he took Aaron Rodgers and molded him into this guy that we see now. When, when Aaron Rodgers came into the NFL... He had a funky motion that nobody thought would work at this level. He had footwork problems. He had problems in terms of digesting and and, and really mastering a playbook. And these are all things that Mike McCarthy took Aaron Rodgers, worked with him on, molded him, and got him ready for the time when he eventually did get his shot after they had to trade Brett Favre after he retired and unretired and there was... News crews following his plane back into green is one of the craziest things I've ever experienced in my time in the media. I remember it, yes. But people, but you don't necessarily get that unless it's Mike McCarthy or somebody like Mike McCarthy who takes Aaron Rodgers and molds him the way that he did. Even the Packers weren't sure about Aaron Rodgers at one point. Do you remember who they used a second-round pick on in 2008? Two years after Aaron Rodgers had already been in Mike McCarthy's system.
1: Was that Matt Flynn?
4: Brian Brom.
1: Brian Brown. Out of the oh, University Louisville. of Louisville. Oh,
4: Louisville. <laughs> because they were... No, they were taking quarterbacks. See, they're smart.
3: It's, it's my suggestion. Take more quarterbacks. <laughs> See, the, the Packers are following the Judd rules of drafting. You think they're just hedging their <laughs> bets? Yeah, I think they're just saying,
1: why not? why not? This Brian Brown kid could be pretty good. No, but I- how do they end up with, with Matt Flynn then? Didn't they draft Matt Flynn... That same year, maybe? Um,
3: yes, no, they drafted him in, in a late round. In fact, they might have taken Matt Flynn with a pick that they got from the Vikings in a rare Vikings-Packers trade that was of just draft picks.
1: Okay. They flipped draft picks one year. Let's see, and Matt Flynn was Matt taken in Flynn. the seventh round in that same year yeah, that they Matt, took Brian Brom. Because I remember Matt Flynn was the quarterback at LSU when they won the national championship with under Les Miles. Let's see, the Packers were saying, at, at the time, you can never have enough quarterbacks. But if you think you have your franchise quarterback. But you're right about. But your,
3: your point on Rodgers' mechanics and, and McCarthy deserving credit for correcting them is 1,000% right. I am. I am so saying. So if you use
4: that 17th pick on him, he probably comes here and flames out and never becomes De'Aaron Rodgers. That, that we are saw you, Are you saying years. the
3: Vikings coaching couldn't have got the most from the kid? You told me what Brad Childress did to Dante Culpepper. Yeah, you might be right. <laughs> you might be right. Now, I, see, now you take it in a direction that I didn't want to go.
4: Now it's no fun. Uh, um, or, uh, um, That's a good point. Because, and I, I think this is a mistake people make often, and not just with Aaron Rodgers. They think great quarterbacks are just born great quarterbacks. And no matter what franchise you put them in no matter what system you put them in no matter what players you put around them no matter what coach you give them that they would have been that anyways i'm here to tell you right now there are a lot of guys who were every bit as capable as aaron Rodgers, who just never ended up in the right situation who are every bit as capable as tom brady and never ended up in the right situation are you you saying tim couch and about a, a thousand other quarterbacks who tried to play for the Cleveland Browns. I got to believe. Kelly Smith with the Cincinnati that, Bengals. In that long list of Browns quarterbacks, hey. and we've all seen the infamous jersey now with the names crossed off and yes. a new name written down. I got to believe that in that long list of Browns quarterbacks and my own franchise, the Bears, I got to believe that the, in that long list of failed Bears quarterbacks, there were guys who came along who were good enough and had the tools to succeed. And they were just sabotaged by the franchise that they played for, not knowing how to develop quarterbacks and put them in a position to succeed. Are you saying that Rex Grossman would
1: have been a franchise quarterback if he had played for somebody other than your Chicago okay. Bears? Okay,
4: not Rex Grossman, <laughs> but I'll tell you, I love <laughs> I love this Rex point. Grossman could have been a lot better, but I will say this. Yeah, Jay Cutler could have been the best quarterback yeah. in the NFL.
1: A very fair point.
4: If he was put in the right system. There's three ways to sabotage a quarterback. One, put them in a bad system or keep changing systems. Two, don't put talent around them on offense. And three, don't give them an offensive line that will protect them. The Bears did all three of those things gonna, to Jay Cutler repeatedly. I'm going dis- to disagree
3: with you on Cutler based on, on this, though. Denver gave him a chance, and, and he was such a pain in the ass that I think I think it became very difficult because he had the arm talent, off the charts, right? And the athleticism. But, I mean, think, think about the fact that Denver traded him. So, I disagree. Well, Denver traded him because Josh McDaniels was yeah, a that's whack job. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say,
1: because Shanahan was the one who drafted Cutler, yes. right? Towards the end of his time in Denver, I, and then he got fired. But don't mm-hmm. you guys
3: think he was a complete pain as well? Oh, yeah, Which he I was. think caused, caused problems. But I remember, to, to your point about Cutler's arm, I remember covering a Vikings-Bears game at the Metrodome. And, and once again, the offensive line was terrible. And the pocket literally collapsed, and all I could see was a mass of human beings around Cutler, and I could see the top of Jay's hand with the football, and that sob flicked his wrist,
4: and a dart came out. He could make, and throws it was complete. Almost nobody else could make. But he
3: had no business not just being sacked there, right? And he made the throw with like no ability to to reach back and cock his arm. So he literally flicked. It was like he flicked his wrist,
1: and that ball was like whoo. He was, so. Jay Cutler was Jeff George. I mean, Jeff George, yeah. like, early. I know, like And, it. and Jeff, you're right. Jeff ended up with the Vikings in 99, and he took over for Randall Cunningham, and he had a, had a great year and took him to the playoffs and everything. But Jeff George in Indianapolis and Jeff George in Atlanta. Yep, you're right. like,
2: and, v- and a complete terrific,
1: Yeah, you're terrific right. arm talent, rocket arm, could just stand in the pocket and just, like, flick his wrist and throw a ball 50 yards down the field just like Jay Cutler, but just a complete pain in the neck for whoever was coaching him or he was playing for.
4: Well, yeah, he was a gunslinger. He had a little bit of that Brett Favre in him where you could coach him up all you want and he was going to make bad decisions. That was just what he did. And meltdown as well. And meltdown at yeah. times. Yeah, absolutely. But going back to my original point, Aaron Rodgers didn't even have those natural physical tools and gifts that a Jay Cutler has. Like A lot of what Aaron Rodgers does well at the NFL level, he owes it to Mike McCarthy. Not everything. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers didn't do anything to get where he is. He had to put in the work and follow the lead of Mike McCarthy and be coachable for all those years, which apparently is something that's kind of dissipated in his time with McCarthy. But he, at the end of the day, Mike McCarthy was the guy who sort of molded Aaron Rodgers. And right. if you didn't have Mike McCarthy or somebody like Mike McCarthy here in Minnesota, he's probably a first-round pick, who flames out, and we never really think or talk about him afterwards. Off that point,
3: can you think of a Vikings QB in the last um, 15 to 20 years who, because of coaching, didn't develop and could have? Like, I think Christian Ponder was just bad.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I, I think you could have put—you you, you could have given Mike McCarthy in his prime as a coach Christian, and Christian, I think, still fails there. Can you think of a quarterback, you know, well, Tavares Jackson, for instance, that, no, who could no. have? I agree. But is there one who you think was uh,
4: stunted because of coaching? From hearing you in the first segment of the show, it sounds like a combination of coaching and injuries are Dante. are what cost you what could have been a franchise quarterback in Dante Calpott. Well,
3: Dante was propped up. That's true. And then, and then when, when the coach left, he looked like a different QB. So, yeah. That's probably true. That's probably true. And in Brad's mind, I think Brad that I'll get Dante back to where um, Scott had him. But the reality was, I don't think
4: he would have. I'm telling you, man, I remember Dante Culpepper. And I don't know if this is how people felt about him outside of Minnesota. But I remember watching that dude down in Milwaukee and just thinking this is like a lot of a lot of like the way that people talk and feel about Patrick Mahomes right now. Just looking at him mm-hmm. and going. This is unstoppable. He was a linebacker. Right. You look like a linebacker. You look at the size, you look at the speed, the athleticism, the arm. It was, like Judd just said, it was like a linebacker running around back there with with a rocket attached to his shoulder. He was so good in 2004. Like,
1: he had one of, considering, like, the time, the the, the era of football that it was, like, he had an all-time season for a quarterback that year. Like, he ran for what, seven 700 oh, yards, yeah. something like that, Judd, and ran for, you know, I think almost 10 touchdowns, threw 39 touchdown passes, almost threw for 5,000 yards. Like, he had an all-time season for a quarterback that year. The team was mediocre because they couldn't stop anybody, but he was, for that one year, he was unbelievably good.
4: Manny, and I'm looking to you for your encyclopedic memory. Was there a Hail Mary from Dante Culpepper in Atlanta near the end of I just remember a Hail Mary from Dante Culpepper that are you thinking got, about, that got me to the championship of my are fantasy Are you thinking league. about that Wacky Saints play, which was
3: was that he fumbled? Oh,
4: yeah, he fumbled. Are you thinking about that
3: one? They went for two. Superdome.
4: Yeah, Superdome.
1: They went for two because they scored a touchdown. They went for two for That's the win because it, it was late yep. in the season. The Vikings were out of it, so Ticey just said, what the hell, we'll just go for the win here. And Dante took the snap, like bobbled the snap, and then like picked it up and ran it in for the two point conversion and the Vikings won the
4: game. That might have been it.
1: I just it was remember, a wacky play. I remember yeah.
4: beating my brother in uh, our semi final to go to the championship <laughs> in our in our fantasy league, and literally like he was down on the floor like in dismay at what just and I'm I was pointing at his face and laughing at him and doing a <laughs> dance because I had just advanced. Glad to, the to see that you're a good sport. <laughs> Good winner, Rami. Rami's real
3: good
1: at it. Ah, ha, ha, you lose. That's what you do. It's fantasy football. What are, you, what are you playing for, if not that? But I, I just remember being at, I was at the game, and Judd, you'll probably remember this. Remember when Bryant McKinney made his debut? He ended his holdout yep. his rookie year. Yep. And I think it was like week seven or week eight against the Giants. It was halfway through, you're right. And Dante had gotten benched that game because he was playing really bad. This was Ticey's first year, and the Vikings weren't very good, and Dante had a bad year. He threw a bunch of picks and everything. He got benched that game, and Todd Bauman came in, led the Vikings back to go ahead. Then the Giants took the lead or something, and then McKinney came. <laughs> McKinney was in the game. And the, the, the hype around Bryant McKinney was he had never given up a sack, right? High school, college at Miami had never given up a sack. First game in the NFL, Kenny Holmes, defensive end from the Giants, Blows right by him, hits Bauman for a fumble for a strip sack fumble. Giants win the game, and I remember driving home or riding home from the game that day, and there were Vikings fans calling for Dante to be benched, really, yes, oh sure because da- Dante surprising. had a he had a bad game that day. he was really bad. He got benched. They put in Todd Bauman, and Bauman played well. he brought him back and you know to tie the game late or whatever and there were people calling in to the post-game radio show on the other station, calling for Dante Culpepper to be benched
4: for Todd Bauman. And this is why I feel like, as we, we've talked about Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray, and and you, na- you name it because we recklessly speculate here at Score North, that's what we do. Teddy Bridgewater. We've talked about so many like name backup quarterbacks for the Vikings to go out and get this year, and every time I'm like, guys you're sabotaging your $29 million quarterback because it seems to me like Minnesota's favorite Viking is always the backup quarterback. And now you want to bring in a guy who's popular, who has a name to contend with Kirk cousins and, and be looking over his shoulder while he's trying to live up to the $29 million price.
3: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely.
2: More pressure. I like it.
3: This is the town when, where there was a, I was pretty young at this time in 1991 or so, they The Vikings went to Kansas City to play a preseason game. Rami, I'm not kidding you on, on this. And they had drafted Gino Toretta. And so he was the third QB, right? Third or fourth. I think he was the third. He comes in and leads a drive down the field in a preseason game. All right? So it meant nothing. It was a nice showing, but meant nothing. The next week, there were a ton of phone calls in a sports station saying, "Should you really should consider starting
1: him. Gino Toretta fever. Mm-hmm. took over this town Exactly. And Gino had won the Heisman at Miami yes, and everything, and, yeah.
3: But like he was he
4: was a Gino late Toretta. he was a late round draft pick. He was nope. like 35 when he won that Heisman. i <laughs> I'm serious. He got drafted by a by a professional baseball team, went and played minor league yeah. baseball for a few years, then came and played no. football at Miami. Nobody
3: expected a thing and he has one good drive. I I honest to god, think it was one good drive and you had fans calling and saying, yeah, he probably should start so you are correct. The most popular player in purple will it's be Kyle It's always the Sloater. backup quarterback, Kyle right? Slaughter. Oh yeah. well, the great unknown.
4: Actually, perfect setup. We may have a new favorite Viking in town. Oh, what a tease! <laughs> <laughs> I te- I tease something unknowingly, and uh-huh. you took it and woo! Yeah, good work, Ron. We have a potential new backup quarterback for the Vikings, and. There's been a free agent signing, ladies and gentlemen. It's Purple Daily. Is anyone left? On Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com. Five days a week. Vikings and NFL talk coming your way at noon also streaming live on Twitter Instagram YouTube Facebook and Twitch some twins talk coming up at one o'clock if you're listening live it's the uh, score North twins show myself and Derek Wetmore with our observations from uh, opening weekend a guy who I had the chance to meet for the first time during twins opening weekend and it was my pleasure and now making his purple daily debut to clarify some things (laughs) on Gino Tourette it is Pat Roycey. Pat how are you sir?
2: three points for you two stooges a <laughs> you have gino toronto mixed up with chris wake
3: on, on the baseball front chris no wake, i
2: think he was the guy that played baseball until he was 26 and then came and be, went to florida state and became the uh heisman trophy winning quarterback okay he might have been all both, right but i'll take your word for it well i watched I covered Chris Wienke Chris in high school and when he played baseball. So I can assure you, <laughs> you you don't have to take my word for it. It's the truth. Okay. B, the uh, Judd mentions the public uh, being uh, all in on Geno. At the end of that season, 1993, the Star Tribune did some kind of a vote on who you wanted to be the quarterback. And, uh... Now, I don't know how they did it because it's before the I line, but I, I think maybe call in. You know, I don't know. Call a, call a line, and if you press A, you want this guy B, C. G got 91% of <laughs> the <broke people>. 91% <laughs> That's of That's what it was, okay. And C, uh-huh. the judge says that Culpepper and Chili would not have gotten along because. When Culpepper uh, was wanting to rehab down in the little shopping center instead of being back here to rehab, but I want to point out that your whole premise of the conversation was if Dante had not been injured. So we cannot use rehab against him in this uh, conversation.
3: But don't you? Th- My contention was the two wouldn't have gotten along over something else, and I don't think it okay, would have worked. Okay.
2: My contention is you forgot what the original premise was, but that <laughs> Well, you know what, Pat? That wouldn't be a big sur- that
3: wouldn't be a big surprise to be honest with you if I forgot something.
2: You guys are in trouble because I'm back in town, so I might be listening another time to correct your uh, trouble. We love it. We look forward
3: to it. Purple Daily me?
2: Contributor, Patrick Roisey. <laughs> Chris Wicke, not Gino Torrey. And by the way, Chris Winkie, now a uh, very uh, well-regarded quarterback coach. Yes. Right, he brings guys into a quarterback camp and uh, does all others with
3: them. IMG, right, in Florida?
1: Is that still yes, the case?
2: Sometimes. Mm-hmm. He, he is some well, all the time in some other places. Pat,
1: he is the uh, quarterback's coach for my Tennessee Vols now.
2: Did you know really? that?
1: Yeah, Chris Winkie is, all yes.
2: Right. All right, maybe we'll have a guy who can pass down there.
1: <laughs> yeah, Manny and Chip Scoggins very happy.
2: Thanks, Royce. <laughs> all, right, all right, gentlemen, good night.
1: Okay, thanks,
3: Pat. And uh, don't, don't forget, if you want more of uh, of Patrick Unchained, we will air tonight uh, at six o'clock. We already taped the podcast, but we'll air on a score North fifteen hundred at six o'clock tonight, right after um, uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami. Turn that
4: mic on. Nicely done. It helps when you turn the mic on in radio. (laughs) We've Uh, all had a tough day. Don't worry. I mentioned before the break you may have a new favorite Viking because everybody's favorite Viking is the uh, backup quarterback. Uh, Sean Mannion visited the Minnesota Vikings today. I don't know anything about Sean Mannion, and I won't pretend that I do, maybe. Oregon State, I think.
3: I believe I saw Sean Mannion's name come up in conversation on the Vikings a week ago as well. So that is not surprising. Well, he was in town
4: visiting today. Okay. I have a very
1: nerdy reason why I know that he went to Oregon State. Really? And yeah. What is that? When uh, when I was playing the uh, video game NCAA football, I think it was thirteen, maybe, and uh, I did a uh, franchise or you know dynasty mode with Oregon State, and Sean Mannion was my quarterback, and I won. He uh, won two Heisman trophies for me. So really, that's the only reason. Sean why Mannion, you won. Sean Mannion, yes. So you like him. Well, I mean on that video game he was very good. <laughs> football, Sean, he was very good. Sean <laughs>
3: Mannion, according to the Pioneer Press story I'm looking at right now, played the past four seasons with the Los Angeles Rams. So he's been a backup on Oh, so he knows Sean McVay. That's right. Oh, it's only a That's, matter of time it's only a, <laughs> a matter of time before he signs here and, and then becomes quarterback. I mean I'd make him offensive coordinator. I was gonna yeah. Immediately. I mean, you really know Sean McVay? Yeah. <laughs> I played for him.
4: Okay, you got the job. So, so there's that, and then there's another, and also today the uh, Vikings brought back former Vikings, then Giants, now Vikings again. Offensive lineman Brett Jones, who is at Brett Jones sixty nine on Twitter, if you want to follow him. Do you have uh, any thoughts on Brett Jones? I have, I have zero thoughts. <laughs> I'm
3: sure if he's providing depth on, on the O line, I guess that's fine. Uh, but uh, I, I seem to recall that. Uh, what I saw of Mr. Jones. Does that not solve the problems? No. In no? 2018 was uh, shall we call it underwhelming. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's see, but but that goes to how much cap
4: room this team has, which is basically none. And that's what Chris Thomason of the uh, St. Paul Pioneer Press pointed out immediately after tweeting out the signing of Sean Mannion. He said the Vikings would have the salary cap room to sign, or excuse me, the signing of Sean Jones, uh, to sign quarterback Sean Mannion after signing center Brett Jones, but they would need to carve out enough room to sign their draft picks, roughly $3 million. They've got a month to figure that out.
3: It's never good when everything about your cap is tied to... If they have, an, or they've got to create enough room to sign your draft picks. That's never a good thing. Never a good Like, thing. you don't want to be talking about, yeah, we could sign this guy. Yeah, sure we could. But then we can't sign all of our draft picks, and we got to find a way. And everything that I've seen about the Vikings in the last two weeks, basically, has included the qualifier of, but they have to clear room then to sign the draft pick.
4: Doesn't sound like Xavier Rhodes is going anywhere. That's one of the guys well, that we talked about, if they were going to free up cap space. Did you say last week, I, I think it was you
3: on the show, something all about it? Seems inevitable that something is going to, to happen either as the draft approaches now, something has to or happen. during the draft. Like there's something has to happen here. Has to. I can't yeah. believe we're done here. Well, they can't be done. No, they, they can't. have to free up cap but, space. Right, right But they could. They could free up some. But it seems to me like it would be preferable to free up a nice chunk in one move, just to give yourself some flexibility. So is that is that a Wayne's trade? Is that
4: a Rhodes trade? Is that a Rudolph move of to some me, sort. To me, this is lighting up for a Trey Wayne's trade because yeah. judging by Mike Zimmer's comments last week at the owner's meetings, it doesn't sound like Xavier Rhodes is going anywhere. If you were going to restructure Kyle Rudolph, you would have done that already. I can't imagine you'll have many takers in a trade for for Kyle Rudolph, so I don't think that's really on the table. But are they going to surprise... Are, when, when it comes to Kyle, are they going to surprise
3: us potentially by taking like a tight end in the second round and then, and then cutting making him? a move of some sort or trading him? I don't know. They just, I got to believe that there's a significant move coming of some sort and and to f- figure out who that person is going to be who's going to get moved comes down to, at best, what? A handful of names, maybe? Right. Maybe just three. Three huh? names. Now, what? not that they'd all be gone, but
4: three names and one of them has to be moved. Right. Or something has to happen. And for me, the Trey Wayne's Draft day trade is the thing that makes the most sense at this point. Because that's probably,
1: Trey is probably the one guy, I mean, maybe Xavier Rhodes too, but Trey Wayne seems like the guy that would be, that would make the most sense to trade, that would get you something of fairly decent value in return for.
3: And he's going to make a
1: a lot in that
3: fifth year option. Mm -hmm. And if you trade him, then you you don't have the the responsibility after next year of inevitably having to try to sign him to a long-term extension. So, yeah. And Zim, I mean, Zim, when, when he, he was talking about Rhodes 2018, certainly did nothing to help Rhodes's value. Basically said, yeah, he's making all this money, and he didn't play that great. So that doesn't seem like a guy that you're trying to move. So, yeah. I Rudolph or, or um, Waynes, to me, seem to be the two likely choices that something would happen there.
1: So if Waynes gets moved, let's say, hypothetically speaking, who would then step into that specific, that number two corner guy? Would that be Holton Hill, you think? Yeah. and um, I mean, Mike Hughes is coming off the ACL. Yeah, Mike Hughes ultimately would. Mm-hmm.
3: But short term, it would probably be Holton Hill would step in uh, across from Xavier Rhodes. Alexander would play in the nickel to start. Mm-hmm. And then Hughes might be introduced in slowly when, when he can come back in the nickel and eventually replace Hill unless Hill plays fantastic. They've got options there. Right. Like it does make sense. It would be, in the short term, it would probably be a little bit trying and, and a bit of a downgrade because I think Waynes is a pretty good player. But again, we're talking about a team that's in financial salary cap sort of hell
1: here. What do you bet that they draft a corner at some point in this draft too? A hundred percent. Not with the first round no, pick, obviously, but... A hundred percent. But like third I mean, they or fourth can't round pick, themselves. you know? I mean, because Zim can't help himself. A development guy.
3: Well, and don't for, forget now, too... They are all in on undrafted guys as well. Mm -hmm. So they'll sign like 18 corners. Holton Hill. I know, and he's good. Yeah. Well, this goes to Rami's point about QB play. Holton Hill is good because he got the right coach. Right. If you plop Holton Hill on the Giants in 2018, I guarantee you, you're not looking at this guy. No. (laughs) No. That goes to the heart of your point, which is if you have a coach who is gifted in teaching – it makes a world of difference.
4: Yeah, the coaching and the situation at large needs to be right for people to flourish in football and in life. Yeah, like that's not just really. a, It's just the way things are. Not really in life. I'm I'm fine. Hey, you mentioned uh, Sean McVay. He pulled a uh, April Fool's prank on his buddy uh, Cliff Kingsbury. So they were out at dinner. Well, there's two good looking dudes. And uh, Sean McVay says, we have a mutual friend that I put his name in my phone as NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. I had this friend send me a text saying, I can't believe you're at dinner with Kingsbury and Mahomes. The three of them are out to dinner with Mahomes, who they're friendly with. You know better than that. This is tampering. You're both losing picks. Then he showed the text to Cliff, and he said he looked like he saw a ghost. I said, "You better call General Manager Steve Clime right away." He said, "I thought I was going to lose the number one overall pick." <laughs> That's good. I we like this. Can let it go on too long, but it was pretty good. Oh, Sean McVay said. Sean McVay, man. Meanwhile, uh, Tom Brady, not as good as the uh, at the April Fools' pranks, opened a Twitter account today just to tweet out, "I'm retiring. In my spare time, I'll be tweeting." <laughs>
3: That's really not that good. Good
4: one, Tom. It's Purple Daily. We'll talk to you next time.
0: This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply.
3: Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save $1 each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry. This limited-time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships
2: separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.